When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. I'm standing in my kitchen to record this and you might be able to hear my dishwasher in the background, so sorry about that, but, you know, what can I say? I like to keep a tight ship. This episode features comedian Dane Baptiste and, spoiler alert, he's really good. If you're new to this podcast, then don't forget there are loads of others in our back catalogue like Richard Herring, Sophie Hagen, Tom Allen, Jade Adams, Sam Delaney and some that aren't even comedians like former Home Secretary Jackie Smith. Yeah curveball the point is there are loads to get stuck into and if you subscribe to this podcast you'll get all of them straight to your phone so you'll never miss an episode so it's a good idea and if after all that you're so excited about this podcast that you have to tell the world then please feel free to do just that or make it simpler and just leave us a review or a rating in itunes or wherever you get your podcast and now here's desert island dicks with dane baptiste Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Dane Baptiste. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Just enjoying the joys of... Uh parenting and juggling working from home but other than that i'm okay which everybody enjoys yeah that's why we do what we do so we can be closer to our kids it's a, it's a weird one though i suppose uh you know most of us have to go out to work in order to for the child care to take care of our kids and mm. now you're at home uh having to do it as well but then not being able to earn in the same way so it's a weird time but um i, I hope it does uh i guess it, it does uh foreshadow more time being spent with loved ones yeah and now we've all realized it's been six months and we've proven that we don't have to rely on so many external things in order to thrive so mm. I, mean, I don't know i'm on a desert island daniel so <laughs> i'm on yeah. civilization you seem in a in a positive uh frame of mind today as i'm speaking to you so does that mean it's been easy or hard to to whittle down your choices for the island um it's been i think it's just been a fun exercise i think it's uh mm. i tried to like when i'm looking at like the kind of dicks that i'd be i always have to look at myself first and be like <laughs> is it me bringing out the dick in these people um but yeah, it's, it's been positive because I feel like these are some good decisions that have been well thought out. And I think once I give an explanation, it will make sense to all the listeners as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing them. Well, let's get straight into it. Uh, who's going to be your first dick today? Right. My first dick on a desert island would be Katie Hopkins, mm-hmm. which I feel like is an obvious choice. But at the same time, people did hear me out because spirits will need to be high on a desert island anyway in order to maintain productivity to change our situation. Katie Hopkins is not known for her positivity, even when Rashford is able to provide meals, supplement meals for children who, are, who can't afford it. She's like, oh, we've got to feed everyone's kids. It's like, how can that be something you're upset about? So she's just <laughs> constantly pessimistic. Also, poor money management. You would think in a predominantly white country where she insists that she represents the voice of the voiceless, that those people would be like, you know what, we like Katie Hopkins. We should support her career. But she's filed for bankruptcy twice, which means bigotry is not that marketable. So 
poor business decisions another reason why yeah and finally daniel finally because we know you know what you happen in desert islands we have a lot of open spaces and we all know that open spaces make kate hopkins very horny <laughs> last thing i want is to be foraging for food and then someone pinches my butt and we're in an open field and they're like by the way dane my husband isn't here and so <laughs> that's why she was my first choice yeah i mean it's uh I mean, it's hard. There's no, there's no coming back against that argument. I mean, they're very strong arguments. And just, yeah, I think someone who would always, she enjoys arguing so much that even if you thought, you know what, we're all survivors here, let's all survive together. You know, I'm, I'm going to treat everyone equally. She'd still start sort of niggling at you. She'd and... go straight into the old Orwellian animal farm setup, maybe Lord of the Flies. Like, I wouldn't put it past her. Then, you know, Dan, it's going to be a few weeks. She shows up with like the coconut boobs. She's like, look, everyone, I'm Brooke Shields in Blue Lagoon. I'm like, we both know your boobs look like two old bags of porridge. Why are you doing this to me, Katie? Because I didn't sleep with you. You're married. <laughs> oh man, there's so many horrendous images coming thick and fast at me. So I'm 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 losing my grip on reality here, Dave. It's tough. It's um, tough. You'd rather a Wilson. You'd rather a beach ball with a bloodied palm on it. Yeah, uh, give me a Wilson any day, but a Katie Hopkins. I mean, without even saying anything, I thought it was a bad idea to put her on the island. But yeah, the coconuts thing. I'm never going to be able to think of her the same way again. I know how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. I mean, I feel like she could work. I feel like, let's say we're in shark-infested waters. Normally, bloody chunks attract predators. You stick a <laughs> Katie Hopkins and make some bigotry soup in that sea, you stay safe. <laughs> also, it's a desert island where no one can find you. Of course they'd send her here. Of course they would. Yeah. Also, she'd, you'd find her sort of in a corner of the island doing some kind of little blog on a phone of trying to start a Patreon or something like oh, that. Oh, no, you'd walk around the corner and they're like... Who drew all these swatch stickers in the fucking sand? <laughs> yeah. Katie, again, she's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Maybe it would be the only place. Maybe that's... Because we sort of all... There's always the thing with Katie Hopkins that we think that it's all just... She's just saying it for effect because that's her only currency. Uh, less so now that she's barred from most platforms. But maybe it would be the time that she'd bring out the good side because she'd go, oh, I can't make any money from bitterness, so I'll just get on with being a normal person again. But I think that could work. But I just think my theory regarding Katie Hopkins' entire brand is that she uh, has a scar on her brain because I think she has a form of epilepsy. Mm. And I genuinely think that whatever damage has been done or trauma has been done, has affected her centre to generate empathy. Mm, so I think not only does she say the vitriolic things, I think she, with the response she gets back, she sees as validating. Right. Because it's like, you know, any kind of, human beings are a social species, so by people responding to that, she feels validated. The biggest weapon against her is to uh, ignore her and, you know, keep her in obscurity. That's like, that's how you defeat her. But I don't know, I don't know if there's a good side to her. I'm not sure if she understands that concept because like, she's, she'd be like, but there's no money behind it. Mm. And no extramarital penis. So why should I be involved? <laughs> it's it's weird, isn't it? Because there's the thing of people going, people say it about other other sort of similar kind of right wing firebrands that like, oh no, I don't think they even believe it themselves. And you're like, I think that's almost worse. Like, have you been sort of raised up in a small neighbourhood where you've never seen a different ethnicity or anything, you know? And you've been told all these prejudices, but it's people that yeah. know better, but they weaponize that fear and that sentiment for their own capital gain. It's like mm. when people say, oh, Nigel Farage is the kind of guy you want to go for a pint with. He would never drink in the same pub as you. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, like, it's like, you know, when you hear like right-wing pundits saying stuff like All Lives Matters, but then they are also supporting the Tories who are privatising the NHS. It's like, mm. if All Lives Mattered, even if White Lives Mattered, wouldn't 
healthcare be free in predominantly <laughs> white countries for these said white people. Mm. And so, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. It's it's worse when people know better because even for me, it's like when uh, someone like, you know, Tommy, Tommy Robinson talks about like the church and it being a Christian country. Mm. He's never, you never see him in the church. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you never even see him like, you know, like paparazzi, like catch him leaving a church. Like I've had, I've seen pictures of him leaving a pub. I've seen pictures of him leaving the halal butchers. I've seen pictures yeah. of him leaving a mosque. I've seen pictures of him leaving a milkshake. <laughs> I've never seen him in a religious establishment. I've never seen him like speak to like heads of the church, church of England and be like, we need to start recreating English Anglo Christian values. I never see him do that. Yeah. And it's not like there's not plenty of non-white Christians in this country. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, In fact, right? non-white Christian membership is increasing, whereas, yeah. you know, English Anglo-Saxons are be- uh, and Protestants are becoming more secular. And uh, mm. Some people are trying to, you know, but yeah, for the most part, they're kind of moving away. You know, yeah. I don't see them saying anything with Scientology. There's loads of Scientology places in London. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I think she would be terrible in that respect. But at the same time, Sometimes you need the evil to define what's good. Mm. So she provides a good basis, both narratively and as existentially, for us to draft up an arbitrary idea about law and order and respect, <laughs> which would be like, yeah. don't do what Katie does. Don't do what Katie says. And that was pretty much would be the commandments for the island. Yeah, I mean, you're making a good point here. So it views her as a basis for goodness. And then at least, you know, like it's like a, a flower growing out of a dog turd or something, you know. Exactly right? that. You just use the reverse... Uh, ideology behind white supremacy in that, you know, white supremacists, they rationalise their existence and their own existential dread by being like, at least I'm better than the blacks and the browns. That's how they rationalise their lives. We do the mm. same thing on the island. Life ain't great. I have to eat coconuts and mangoes every day, but at least I'm not Katie Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's very, very strong reasoning there. So, yeah, a very strong first choice. Had to think it through, for sure. <laughs> and who would be your second pick for the island? Second pick for the worst person to be on an island with would be Prince Andrew. Okay, yep. I don't know, I'm not sure how, how much I need to elaborate on that, but I'm just saying this, Dan. I'm on an island. We're all hungry. Where should we go? Pizza Express. There's no Pizza Express on the island, Andrew. It's a desert <laughs> island. We're hot. Can't you see that? He's like, oh, I don't know. I can't sweat. We're still going with that, Andrew. Are we still going with that? <laughs> Those are uh, among the litany of reasons why... He's the worst person to have on an island. Yeah. Well, just nothing that he'd he'd say would ever make sense with anything else that he ever said. Like, you'd just be finding loopholes in everything all the time. Number one, I'm like, he's like, ah, oh, can we get some water? I'm hot. I thought you didn't fucking sweat, Andrew. <laughs> so you saving water somehow. Yeah. And then, you know, as well as him saying half-truths and lies and embellishments, the worst thing about Andrew is that he always has this incredulous look on his face because he doesn't understand why he, as an elite member of society, is being questioned. Mm. And when yeah. I'm trying to form a quasi-socialist state on this desert island, just so we all muck in for the sake of our own survival, he's going to be over here being like, I can't help, I've got a small penis. Who says that, <laughs> Andrew? <laughs> Who says yeah, that? It's true. It's um, And I always think with people getting picked for this island like if they're celebrities and musicians and stuff people who kind of haven't had to look after themselves for a long time are going to be more difficult to sort of get on with in the island because they're not going to be able to muck in and, and help out but I mean there's always the argument with like a musician oh well they weren't always famous you know so they probably could you know be readapted into normal society but Prince Andrew I mean you're you're like the least sort of normal person in the world mucking in or you know observing kind of any kind of equality, 
he is going to struggle. But I imagine sort of no social skills, but also no awareness of his lack of them because everything's always been done. It's his complete lack of awareness of the fact that he is so convinced he's dealing with the peasantry that he honestly thinks he can take to people, I don't sweat. And no one's going to see the medical and biological significance of that fact. (laughs) Your body, despite the fact that you are born by design to be elite in that Mm. you were supposed to be able to trace your lineage to God himself. And you think this God from which you are most closely related to forgot your sweat glands. (laughs) And I feel that's going to be the hardest part. Like where it's nighttime, all around Mm. the campfire, exchanging stories of the old times. And Andrew's like, well, you know, I kind of was there when fire was invented. The fuck are you talking about, Andrew? Really? (laughs) No, no, hear me out. And that's what is going to be quite difficult. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If he doesn't sweat, though, he always looks clammy. Like he's like if if you needed a picture of someone who would have a sort of a clammy handshake, I mean, Prince Andrew's your man. He's a human tube of lube, <laughs> and that in itself is going to be awkward. And I just yeah. feel like it's not just his incompetence, but it's this confidence behind that incompetence that's going to be the problem. That his assuredness that everything he does is okay. Hmm. Is that sort of? Uh confidence to lie to the public because you kind of think it's sort of a confidence mixed with stupidity because you think I'm just going to bareface lie to them and no one's even going to work it out because why would they question me like we see it in government quite a lot as well pretty much yeah I think I think it's uh that's the privilege of oblivion that you get when you are in a certain class is that you uh have a lifestyle which has facilitates your lack of awareness of everybody else and I feel like um his, it's a particular type of stupid, but yeah, and it's just more obliviousness. Like mm. the guy has no idea and has no idea why he should have an idea. And yeah, uh, yeah that can be very dangerous. And, and, and I also feel like, you know, it's a real part of like finishing school for uh, those more elite members of society where they give the image of stupidness and blustering and incompetence. But I think they're very much aware of themselves and where they stand and what uh, privilege they have in order to be able to carry themselves in that particular fashion. Yeah. And I and I feel like Katie Hopkins is naturally going to try and gravitate towards him because even though he's been kind of just not been in very good favour recently. She she's still go think, there. I, you know why? Yeah. Because she's the one woman that said that Donald Trump can grab her pussy. Yeah. And when she said it, Daniel, it's the first time I felt sorry for Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But yeah, they're just going to sort of try and form a group. She's going to, she thinks she's a lot posher than she is. They'll have sex. <laughs> you know they have sex. I'm going to catch him, Dan. I'm going to catch him. And you know what's going to happen when I catch him? I'm going to have to stab my own eyes out with my fishing stick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, especially after seeing her in the coconuts. So, oh, I mean... come on, buddy. And then she's like, <laughs> you like that, Andrew? You like that? You're sweating now, aren't you? You're sweating now, aren't you? Oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. This is what I'm going through. You can hear them as well. At night time, I say, I say, come and have some of these dough balls, girl. Oh, it's too much. You don't know what I'm going (laughs) through, Miss Allen. You weren't there. (laughs) This is horrendous, Dane. But I mean, also very good. It's a waking nightmare. Yeah, it's a bit too much. Um, Right, who's going to join them on? Who's going to be your third choice? Third choice, and it's kind of harsh, because I don't massively dislike this person, but I have to be honest, it's going to be Gemma Collins. Gemma Collins, okay. I'm going to start with the primary reason and then we can mm. work from there. Okay. I watch Gemma Collins on TV, scratch her vagina and then sniff it and make her friend sniff it. And I can't see, unsee that. Yeah. Now, what happens if, you know, I've, <laughs> not, I've not slept well because Andrew and Katie have been going at it the whole goddamn night. I wake up in the morning. It's time for my fishing. I pick up my fishing stick. I hear a slight rustling. Oh, what's that? 
is there some extra food for breakfast? No, she's scratching her crotch. Now I've got to poke my other, <laughs> poke my, my other eye. Now I'm blind on the island. <laughs> it's yet another enduring image, Dane. <laughs> like, I can't unsee. Yeah. Now I'm like, I want the sharks to take me. Hmm. But, you know, I just feel like Gemma kind of has a tendency when she does like a lot of panel reality shows where she's always the comic relief and kind of mm. does the blundering and the pratfalls and the slapstick to kind of take away from her not being able to do certain things, which I guess makes for good entertainment. But we're on mm. an island where everybody has to muck in. I'm already dealing with a monarch who claims he can't sweat and like sloppy Giuseppe's, therefore ruining the name of that pizza for the rest of time. <laughs> then I've got a sociopath who is turned on by evil and infidelity and children suffering. Now, now Gemma would be a nice one that I could have banter with in between that, but every now and again it's like, oh, Dane, I've destroyed the latrine. You'll have to dig another one. Are you fucking serious? Why, Gemma? How'd it happen? Because I was eating them clams. I told you when I got them, they're not clams, Gemma. <laughs> now I've got a kiss shell and shit at the latrine. <laughs> yeah, another another very good uh, good reasoning behind your choice. I think I, I struggle to know with her who the real Gemma Collins is. Like, she seems very good at kind of knowing what will be the kind of viral hit or the little clip or takeaway and seems very happy to, you know, do things like that, which are pretty full on just to kind of get the extra attention. Absolutely. But that being said, I genuinely believe that there is just a contingent of people in Britain uh, who massively identify with Gemma. It's not for me to critique them necessarily. But, you know, there are a lot of people who don't like doing any work and like to just have a takeaway on a Saturday and sit down and scratch their crotch and eat junk food. Hmm. I think it's the... I don't mind people scratching their crotch. It's more the sort of the sharing of that, I think, you know. Yeah, sniffing it and then being like, you smell it. Tell me what. Like, I don't... Listen, if you do a fart, Dan, and you say that fart stinks, I'm going to believe you. Yeah. It's one of those things I just give people benefit of the doubt. My vagina doesn't smell too fresh today, Dane. The fact that you come to me with this information, I believe you. When it comes to vagina scent, hashtag believe women. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the stage where my boy is three years old and, I've, you know, he's potty trained and everything, but he's still at that stage where, like, especially now he's not in nappies, you know, things are a lot more accessible. And, you know, so he's you know he's a curious young boy and no bit of his body is, is weird or shocking to him because, you know, he's, he's innocent. So there's the weird thing of kind of having, you know, he'll be sitting there eating his dinner and he's just, like, got his hand down his trousers and you're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just touching my willy, daddy. And you're like, okay, just not now. And then he's like why and you kind of go well i don't want to tell you that these things are bad or dirty but you know it's just not appropriate now he's learning these time and place i guess you have to teach them rather than just give kids this idea of sexual repression and you know vulgarity it's like time and place you know it's like and that's how opinions work too given the people that on my island with opinions work the same way that farts do in that a lot of them contain traces of shit they tend (laughs) to be espoused from assholes which we all have and also you're better off letting them out in front of people that know you and have a context for who you are. (laughs) It's true. I just think we've got so many people these days who are exhibiting behaviours that I'm trying to sort of teach my son not to do. It's a very weird time as a parent. It's the worst time as a parent, and you know why? The semantics of parenthood now, so far as giving guidance to your children, is fucked. Because if you just think of the most basic tenets of trying to condition your child to be a law-abiding member of society... You know, you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal, you know, Mm. don't abuse other people, and you work hard. Yeah. The leader of the free world has done none of that. 
and it's now the yeah. free world. So when you look at when you're trying to create, give your children examples of archetypes, and this is where we had the discussion about like role models and people exist in the media, what kind of guidance they give. Whether or not there is, you know, the the, the head leader of the free world is normally the quintessential example of the most refined or leader of society, especially within a republic. Yeah. But if you teach your kids stay in school and work hard, you now have somebody who doesn't work hard, who didn't stay in school, didn't pay their taxes, has lied, has cheated, and has now realized the highest office in the Western world. Yeah. So how you can relay a sense of morality to your children when they are seeing currently the idea of morality being flaunted all the time and people prospering as a result of it, mm. how hard is it? It must be very, it's difficult. It must, how difficult it must be to raise kids now? It's, it's, it's so hard. The, yeah. that, that dream is dead. Like, you know, work hard, be a good person. You are seeing someone who is not exhibiting the actions of what we regard as a good person, so far as our binary ideas of morality in society, and they're getting away with it. Yeah. And not just getting away with it, actually being rewarded more than anyone else. You know? Plus, in, in a, by the same token, it's like, and I'm, I'm, this is not me judging, but like, I, actually, a better way of putting it, you look at something like Love Island, and there was a story about Love Islanders' applications are higher than Oxbridge. Yeah. But then I'm not surprised by that, because... A lot of people now, what, you're going to go into university, be lumbered with debt, and then have to go out into a workforce where automation is rising. And we've seen now with lockdown that a lot of jobs and the framework in which our industry exists no longer exists for many people, mm. especially if you're in the creative arts. So how can you be mad in a world where we have emphasised, you know, the objectification of women and the sexualization of young people? Why would you go to university? Yeah. If you're exactly. a young woman growing up in our society... Where do you see the efficacy of having a classic education and excelling academically being rewarded in this world? Mm, so true. I definitely get it. Yeah. It's like when, I mean, also the ideas of what we kind of think of as acceptable jobs. I mean, like for me, even like kind of 38 years old and the idea of influences is like a bit like, oh, my God, you got paid just to be like holding up those cosmetics and that's it. But it's like the same when my mum saw me watching Cribs with Tony Hawk in it. And she was like, that's a big house. What does he do? I always like, oh, skateboarding. Like, and she was like, what else does he do? I'm like, no, no, that's it. <laughs> And by, but by that token of him being a skateboarder, he encourages a culture of consumption because people will be like, if I buy the skateboard, I can be just like him. This yeah. is, again, you know, the plight of what young women are dealing with is that, again, I don't necessarily have a problem with the Kardashians as people, but I know they represent what now exists as a very homogenous feminine aesthetic. Mm. So if you're a woman and you fall outside of that, now your standard of beauty isn't good enough, which means now they've commodified this idea of feminine beauty. So you have to now buy the look. So what you have with social media is that essentially what we've taken with social media is that we have allowed for people in their 30s to enjoy prolonged adolescence. And we've now created this global high school where is where how social media works. Because if you look at somewhere like Instagram, first of all, the suffix is gram, which means that pertains to programming. If it was about the pictures, it'd be Instagraph. That's number one. <laughs> number two is the fact that like television, we know that television provides a unattainable aesthetic or unattainable aspirations but there are figures in place that will tell you, like Ofcom, or if you watch a shampoo advert, you'll know if the actress or the uh, uh, or the act, uh, model is using hair extensions. Mm. The internet is the wild west. It doesn't have these regulatory bodies that can stop telling children these lies. So then children will see these unattainable images of beauty or feminine beauty, and men are all ripped with muscles and the same sleeve tattoo, and these very homogenous archetypes for the hyper-masculine and the hyper-feminine. You don't know what it is to be a fucking man anymore. So mm. how can you be surprised that you've seen this rise in people that interpret themselves as non-binary, because how are they going to have a size zero waist and a D-cup boobs and a Brazilian bum, but be as hairless as an Asian woman, but have Latino hair and curves, and as a guy, 
you're not supposed to be too brown, but you have to be olive-skinned enough to tan, but then have a sleeve tattoo, but then be educated, but then have be wealthy, but at the same time, you're in a creative job which gets to lend to your um, kinesthetics or you're building yourself up. If I'm working in a laboratory and I'm a certain level of intelligence, I don't have time to go to the fucking gym. But these yeah. are all these, these um, this is the duality that's being created all the time, where there's this paradox where it's like, women, value yourselves. But then if you are a woman that don't show your breasts on Instagram, no one's going to fucking listen. So you get the same state that you get when you're in secondary school or when you're in high school, where it's like the people that prosper the most, their popularity is only based on their appearance. Just like when you're in school. The people that are popular in school are the good looking people. You don't know about their background. You don't know how much money they earn. You don't know about their prospects. They're just the most desired person in school when you're having a sexual awakening. Therefore, these are the people we worship. Same with women, same with men. Same way with school, we worship the idea of materialism without any substance behind it. So all of this, these paradigms are recreated on social media. So all the people who peak, normally used to peak at high school and then had to learn to mature because they were dealing with real life can mm. now subsist on this fake world that's been created online. And so people will never get to be mature because no one wants to be old anymore. So now when we have this global Peter Pan complex where no one ever wants to be old and if they do find themselves getting old or having to try and thrive within reality, they can always recreate this fallacy on the internet. Yeah. Oh, Dane, do you know what? I feel like if this was a live show, we'd be uh, basking in a big round of applause right now. <laughs> so. uh, maybe, but it's, I, I feel like most of the time people are too afraid to acknowledge this stuff themselves which has necessitated me being on a desert island. <laughs> well, I think you make a lot of good points. And, I mean, if anyone is going to kind of uh, make those three people see a bit of sense and brevity in their lives, I reckon uh, I think you're the man to do it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um so uh, Gemma Collins, then, just finally on her, I mean, do you think you could get on with her apart from the sort of the scratch and sniff aspect of her personality? Do you reckon you could get on okay? I think I could get on with her. I think we have a conversation about, you know, maybe some I- I- issues of bacterial vaginosis. And I'm like, Gemma, every morning, going to get that pH right, just take a swim in the sea, get those natural nutrients going, going to get your water content much higher, stay away from some of these acidic foods. Maybe have some more of these fish, high in omega-3. So we'll be able to liaison that from that nutritional perspective. And you know something? Gemma, she says what she thinks. She takes things easily. She is what she is. Maybe I can learn to be a bit more explicit in terms of my personality and less reclusive. So we can learn from each other. It's kind of like the relationship that Mel Gibson has with uh, Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm glad you're seeing a positive slant on all this. And uh, as I say, I reckon if anyone can make it work, it's going to be you, uh, based on your answers so far. Now, uh, Dane, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Um, so I'd say I have a lot of... I'm a very fussy eater, so there's a lot of foods that I don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the food that would annoy me the most would be hummus. Okay, yeah. Now, I don't necessarily dislike hummus. I just dislike the movement behind it. Because mm. I started comedy just like shy of 10 years ago. And that is almost, it was almost like that's like the middle class passport. <laughs> that they'd be like, I'm so middle class that my hummus, blah, blah, blah. My hummus has olive oil. I'm so middle class. My hummus has pomegranates. It's like, none of you invented this. <laughs> yeah. It's not from this country. <laughs> You know, hummus is very similar to the Bible in that, you know, really has its origins in the Middle East, but it's been appropriated and purported as if it's a Western invention. (laughs) It's very true. Very true. And also, I feel like if we've got hummus and that starts getting into the atmosphere and they get a whiff of it, we're going to have all the basic white girls from the shipwreck show on their island coming to my island. We're going to have all the old cruises coming over. I'm like, this used to be a desert island. Where do all these basic bitches come from? Uh, They smelt hummus. Now on the other side, the north of the island, they're doing <laughs> yoga, and it's hot yoga. We're on a desert island; it don't get much hotter. 
I think hummus would be the worst food. I just think. and also I just feel like the consistency of hummus on a desert island. When does when does hummus end and sand start? Mm. It's true. It's like it's like the countries it's you know from you know like the Middle East. It's slightly too dry. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Exactly yeah. that. There's like a pasty thing to it, and there's like very little refreshment. And I don't mm. know if I just don't know if hummus goes well with like banana leaves and coconut and no, I can't some fish. It just sounds horrible. Yeah, it's not something I want to be experimenting with. I mean, I've got no problem with hummus, but it's not an exciting thing. It's not like you know, if there's a load of dips on the table, there's other ones that are more fun. I mean, it's sort of like the default. You know, I'm a white middle class guy, so of course I'm packing hummus. But you have, you know, to. I mean. Like I said, it's the passport. I don't want to get my membership taken away, you know. So. It's like, if I came to your house and there wasn't hummus or a yoga mat or maybe yeah. a Dutch frame bicycle, I'm going to be like, is this a middle class white man that I'm having a conversation with or is Dan a cop? Yeah, yeah. Have I been taken over by some kind of Terminator who's like, taken my image? I'd have all the questions, Dan. What kind of hummus do you have? Is it organic? <laughs> what kind of milk you got in the fridge? Is it oat? Is it soy? Is it rice? What yeah. kind of frame do you have there? I'm sorry, is that a rucksack in the corner? Was it made by a Scandinavian? I don't trust yeah. you anymore. So yeah, hummus. <laughs> no, I've got to have I've got to have these things. It's you have to, you yeah. never know. It's like, imagine, it's like back in the 90s, someone came to your house and they was like, I need to charge my phone. Do you have a Nokia charger? And you'd be like, obviously, I'm a human being. Yeah. You know, you go to some people's house and they'd be like, I haven't got a Nokia charger, but I've got a Siemens. Siemens? Are you people beating your kids in this fucker? What's going on here? It's a crack house? <laughs> so yeah, you got the hummus on deck. I yeah. mean, you know, hummus could be useful, though, because like I said, if there's hummus, people are going to think, well, there must be middle class people on this island. Help must come right away. Mm. If I put a bit of hummus in a bottle and then put it out to sea, once a particular yacht or a cruise liner gets the wind of that, there are people enjoying hummus on an island and we're not there. Help arrives immediately. That's very true. Very true. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, this argument. And I think... Um... Also, I feel like as a tool, it's probably like could be quite useful for building and things like that. It's quite cement-like. Imagine in the sun, it will go hard quite. You know, like in different countries, and they build sort of like, is it cob? But it's like mud and straw, and they build so it huts. Could definitely work, yeah. And then be immediately. Yeah. Also, the consistency of hummus it's very, very grainy. It takes a lot of strength to masticate like a big yeah. bit of a big dollop of hummus. So you imagine again, you know, where like you know, it's the second month campfires going Andrew's like did I tell you about the time I went to eat a spoonful of hummus please Andrew yeah yeah definitely no that's going to take him down yeah good thinking good thinking and uh, what would you wash it down with because obviously you need to wet your whistle when you're eating hummus the worst thing I can think of would be uh, soda water Mm. Yeah, what is soda water? It doesn't like it's not. We sort of get tonic, even though we don't. I don't really understand what it is. We sort of understand that, but soda water is not even that. Soda water is what would happen if the devil was given a sponge bath. <laughs> That's what you get left in the tub. Is what so, so they use for soda water. Mm. And uh, it's just like it's basically like drinking spicy water. Like, am I in a coma? And did I ask you for Nando's? Then why are you giving me medium hot water for? Like, if yeah. I'm going to drink a fluid and it's going to taste like pepper, Dan. It should be a Bloody Mary, not yeah. water. Very true. And so I just think soda water Soda water is basically one league above salt water mm. and a league below flavoured water in terms of the worst yeah. waters on the planet. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I think, um, I mean, you see it in films a lot, don't you? In America, they're always like, oh, club soda, which I guess I think is the same thing. Yeah. And it's one of those cultural things where you're like i get if i go to some countries and we have a completely different cuisine why something might be appealing to you and not to me but like american cuisine and english cuisine aren't that far apart that it makes sense that you're drinking soda water like it's a normal thing no sense 
why am I drinking something that hurts my lungs? Mm. Like I should, yeah. I shouldn't feel my chest tighten if I drink water without alcohol in it. And I feel like Americans, the soda water thing is basically, I think it's basically in America, they're big on soda, lots of soda taps, lots of soda streams. When that fructose based syrup runs out, they're like, Oh crap, what should we do? Uh, we'll call it club soda. The club, however, mm. is corporate misleading. That's the name of the yeah. club that's serving you this crap. In the same way that, like, have you ever seen a packet of round cheese randoms? Hmm. And everyone's like, mm, that's a good idea. That's not what happened. Basically, someone was like, these factories keep producing surpluses of sweets and we need to put them together somewhere. Someone was like, all right, let's just put them all together in the same packet. How are we going to market that? It's called randoms. <laughs> Have a million pounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah, no, that's true. I just think, like, there's something really unsatisfying about having something like water is the most sort of vital you know useful liquid on the planet you know and everyone likes it it's just no flavor but it's refreshing gives you everything you need and having something that's so close to that but is disgusting is just the most frustrating thing you know when it's like it's it's worse to have like you mentioned bloody mary's it's worse to have like a bad bloody mary than it would be to just have a completely different drink you know completely agree it's like it's like you no know, it's like perfect example it's like when you go to a cafe and you get greasy spoon ketchup instead of Heinz ketchup. Mm. And then someone goes, it's the same thing. And you say, I want to break up with you because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> or you might say yeah. something else, but maybe I overreact. I'm just saying, this thing comes in a tomato. You know it's not You know it's not Heinz. There's, Heinz yeah. has got that little orange tint. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And it doesn't taste of vinegar. It doesn't Exactly. That's the big pull about it. It's like, you know, when you have baked beans that are Heinz baked beans, you know it's Heinz baked beans. There's no other type of beans. Yeah. Yeah, a club soda or a soda water, whatever the difference is, I think it's... Because even if you kind of find enough, like find a way of fermenting coconut juice on the island and you think, oh, I can make it fizzy, but it's just going to ruin everything. It's just going to fuck up your party. Exactly, but at least if it ferments and it's alcoholic, now we've got some coconut schnapps. Now, yeah. use, now we can do some sex on the beaches apart from you, Andrew and Katie. That's the name of the, that's <laughs> the, name of the drink. Yeah. Sex on the beach except you two motherfuckers is what it's called. Yeah. Fair play. Coconut schnapps, <laughs> maybe squeeze a little bit of mango in there. Sounds good. No soda water. Soda, we no. will use the soda water to keep the sharks away. Let's say shark shark, I'm just going to pour it in the water. Once mm. that gets into their gills, they can't breathe because you can't breathe when you're drinking soda water. Now we're safe. Yeah, good. I like the way that with every horrible thing, you're finding a little silver lining. I think you've just got like a naturally optimistic personality, Dane. I have to be, man. These days, you know, with the global pandemic, you've got to, think of, you've got to be a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah. Unless that glass is soda water, because we both know once it loses its carbonation, it's less than half. And I've been lied to because you distorted me with the air displacing this fucking water. (laughs) I want to speak to the manager. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Now, Dane, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Oh, all right. So... I have a lot of terrible films mm. that I really don't enjoy. Bias, I would say the worst film would be The Twilight Saga. Okay, yep. I, don't, I know that culturally it's understood that my people can be very vocal about what they see on the silver screen. Don't go in there, girl. Girl, is you crazy? I've heard them all, Dan. <laughs> but The Twilight Saga is the first time I have ever said out loud in a cinema, come on, buddy, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm not watching a film about vampires that walk around in a fucking day. Yeah, what is this? Come on, man. Come on. Nosferatu. Like, even the etymology of the names of vampires. They are nocturnal. 
Why are they walking around in a fucking day? Yeah. It, come on. That's like, that's Vampire 101. They do that sort of thing a lot, though, these days, don't they? They're like, well, so 28 days later, they need to make zombies scary because we know they're all a bit crap and inept, so they make them fast and aggressive. Or yeah, like, a job with that, though. That, yeah. 20, 28 days later is the... Uh, for me, it's the scariest zombie film I've ever seen. Yeah, it's one of those films that I love, but I find it difficult to want to watch again because it did the job so effectively the first time I watched it. I love Naomi Harris from 28 Days mm. Later, and even when she did Simon and the Witch... But mm. I can't watch her in that film again because she put a machete through her best friend's head. But do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a fine line with kind of sort of reinterpreting the classics. Like with that, it works. But when you kind of go, uh, what if these vampires could go around in daytime? You're like, no, it's too big. Like maybe That's just say like garlic big. isn't as effective like or something. The same as werewolves. What makes them into werewolves? Uh, crisps. Don't you mean a full moon? Yeah. Yeah. That's how bad it is. You know, you can tweak, but don't like fuck with the whole premise. I, I mean, it's like making passion fruit cider. Uh, isn't cider made from apples and pears? This is a cocktail or an alcohol yeah. pop. You're mm. not fooling us. And like I said, vampires being around during the day, well, those aren't vampires then, are they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And that doesn't stop there. Let's look at the massive, massive age gap between Edward Cullen and what's her face, whose name I can't be bothered to remember right now. And I'm not sorry. <laughs> Watching her when she sleeps. Therefore, validating and normalizing stalking and incel behavior, mm. right? Number two, then turns out that Twilight is basically started off as like fan fiction, or was that yeah. 50? No, that was Fifty Shades of Grey, which is also on my list of worst things ever. But that started with Twilight, and I'm just saying Twilight is basically almost undid all the good work in terms of vampire representation in media that Blade did. Mm. We remember Blade. And we were all yeah. like, yeah, vampires are cool. We enjoy that. And then Twilight ruined it. Mm. Then it turns out that Stephanie Myers would only cast a black vampire if he played an antagonist. Mm. So not only is he an antagonist, he looks like Will I Am. <laughs> then they got him in dreadlocks with leather pants playing baseball. What's happening in this program? <laughs> it's the worst. And then it's yeah. like, oh. We're vampires, but we only hunt deer and other small animals. Some of the animals you hunt are fucking endangered, okay? You know what there's a lot of? Rats. Yeah. Oh, what, you're too good for rat meat? That's what I'm trying to find out, vampires. Also, it doesn't work like that. Like, if you're a vampire, you need human blood to survive. It's not like, oh, shit, I'm bleeding to death. Get me any animal's blood. That's not how it works with any kind of apex predator. Have you ever tried to feed, like, scallops to a lion? They don't like that shit. So, you know, it's the worst. Vampires are supposed to be apex predators. Also, are you telling me that they enjoy this opulent lifestyle from years and years of immortality and super strength and being able to hypnotize human beings and all these supernatural powers and you choose a fucking American high school girl, arguably one of the worst type of girls in the world? Why, I hear you say? Because what do American high school girls like? Jocks. America. Crying for things. Boy bands. Mm. So, YouTube stars. If you are over, over a certain age and you can even spend time hearing the narrative of teenage girls, you're sick. You yeah. are the spawn of Satan. Of course you're a vampire. There's always that thing. You kind of, they're always like, you know, traditionally kind of old and wise and kind of learned. But you're like, yeah, there must be those people that were just froze at the wrong time and they're just a perpetually annoying vampire. There must, there has to be. There just has to be. There has to be that one vampire who got drunk on the way home from a stoning. He stopped over the side of the road to take a dump because it's, the bubonic plague, and who gives a fuck about hygiene. Yeah. And then some things bit him. And now he's just a douche. 
but he's just a vampire. They're, they're the worst. They're just the worst of the vampires. And then it's like yeah. Edward has family members who are older than him, and they're all fine with him dating a teenager. Yeah. Then they have babies. That's bestiality. How are you having interspecies children? Come on, buddy. Worst film ever. And if he's a vampire, isn't it? And she's a teenager. Doesn't that mean he's significantly going to be older, like significantly older than he even presents himself to be? Because he'll just look like he's twenty or whatever, but he's actually four hundred or something like that. Which means the last time somebody that old put got a woman pregnant was the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bernie Eccleston quite recently, I think. And Bernie as well. Eccleston as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't see Bernie Eccleston out during the day either, Dan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, God, that would be a good twist, though, wouldn't it, if Bernie Eccleston was a vampire? I mean, it'd be one of those things you're like, no, I didn't know vampires existed. But on the other hand, I'm not surprised at all because it's Bernie Eccleston. You know? I mean, I am a hundred. Um, I'm about 98% sure that both Don King and Jeffrey Epstein have had dinner with the devil. Mm. Yeah. I'm not saying they've had sex, but they've been to dinner. Yeah, we didn't have sex. It was just drinks. It was just 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 a couple of club sodas. Just a few club sodas. What do you mean by club sodas? You know what we mean. Club soda is just soda water mixed with virgin tears and blood. You know the <laughs> you know the you know the deal. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I don't know a lot about the sort of the Twilight movies, but I do feel like anything that kind of tries to do a remix so that it kind of gets teenagers to swoon and sort of takes away from the actual sort of fun of the genre is is uh, pretty bleak. It's so bleak. It's like, and even this idea that the that a teenage girl's entire preoccupation alone should just be like boys and a diary in itself is fucking bullshit. Why don't mm. we have like a teenage female vampire slayer? That would be cool. Like we mm. had Buffy. That worked. Yeah. Then again, Buffy did kind of fall in love with Angel too, so that was weird. It's almost like they just need to, when they start these programs, go, right, no matter how good it is, you've got four series, that's it. And then you don't end up in these kind of weird cul-de-sacs where you're like trying to merge characters or, you know, oh, let's give them a sister or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. It's almost a weird cultural phenomenon where, like, if you think about it, Dan, like the Western white woman, she is paired together with some very, very strange partners. Vampires that walk around during the day. Mm. Giant gorillas that can climb buildings. That film when the dude is like an underwater monster. Oh, yeah. Teen Wolf. Uh, Frankenstein. It's like, mm. I get it. Nice guys finish last. But Hollywood is really pushing it now. Vampires. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, you do know about these things. You've, like, we've told you about vampires, right? You know you know about their history. Yeah, you still, you still want to go with that? I mean, it used to be like in the 50s, you know, you go bad boy with a motorbike or somebody looked like the Fonz, but like a fucking vampire? Yeah, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying for, you know, the best of our species, which women are, with the power of creation within their being themselves, I just don't understand how the idea that you can have a fitting relationship with someone who drinks blood when you menstruate for a week a month, I don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. How would that yeah. work in real life? I'm hormonal and I need some space. Ooh, well, I'm hungry. It, it, no. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going out hunting again, darling. Yeah. Are you cheating on me with someone who's on their period? Like, the yeah. real conversation that has had is disgusting, Dan, and it's the worst. <laughs> well, let's move on then to uh, what would be the, the worst song that you could be stuck with? The worst song is a song called The Ketchup Song by a Spanish band called Le Ketchup. Oh, yes. Yeah, see? Do you see how much of your spirit began to decline when I said that? Yeah, yeah. I felt like it got darker in this room. Yeah, exactly. Because once you, if you utter the words, darkness comes upon the earth. Mm. 
it's just it just shows you that uh in when it comes to music in this world there are two types of people there are people who listen to music who actively seek out and curate and make a critical analysis of the music they look for and then there are people that listen to whatever the fuck comes on the radio yeah those people enjoy this song and are the reason why this song is successful mm. it's a song that's spanish that's made for predominantly white people who don't speak spanish but want to go to spain it's like one of those songs you'd hear on holiday and you'd kind of think, oh, this sort of makes sense in context. Oh, it's funny hearing European pop because obviously we never have any of that over here. And then you'd get home and they're playing it here and you're like, no, this this should have stayed there. It's like, it's like the song is like Friends You Meet on Holiday. Mm. Mm. Yes, I love telling Tracy at breakfast. I don't want him talking to me in the departure lounge, Dan. Mm. It's over now. I don't, we're not yeah. going to stay in touch. We both have different interests at home. It's time to let it go. And that's yeah. what that song is. It's a song that's kitsch, it's catchy, and if you're in a country where you don't speak English, there's enough English in it for you to be able to recite the words. Yeah. But once that's done, it's very hard to call this music. Like that, it's like, that's like retail music. You know the music you hear when you go to like Topshop or Subway, that they yeah. play at a volume and frequency so you can't really think about purchasing decisions? That's what that song is. Mm. It's the worst song. It doesn't mean anything. It has no significance. No one can explain what the words mean. Someone's just gone, let's get to relatively generic Eurocentric looking models to sing this song that no one really understands. So then something for the lads It's Spanish. And for people that have like Dan, I don't trust people that need to be told how to dance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't trust people that can only dance when they're following directions. Do you know what? It's like that sort of thing where like it's someone's relative 70th or something in a church hall. And they've got the DJ that does the kids parties and he does everyone's parties in that little town. You know, you're having a nice time, you're speaking to people, all the aunties are dancing, and they put on something like S Club 7 or Last Ketchup. Absolutely. And they're like, come and dance, Dan. And you're like, no, no, because I, I only like to dance to music I like or I feel awful and it makes me sad. And they're like, no, come on, get up get up on the floor. And it, oh, it's just horrible. Dan, you know what? I, I want you to know, it means so much that I can have this conversation with you because I really thought <laughs> I was alone. And I really felt that... Was this a cultural thing? Was this a race thing where I'd been in interracial relationships and I was in that same paradigm of all the aunties get up and they start dancing and they take off the shoes and it's like, come on, Dane, come on. And I'm like, please, I'm already filled with angst about the kind of get out aesthetic that I'm seeing here. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, Dane, it'll be fun. And I look at the DJ and I'm like, help me. And he's like, don't worry, I've got you, buddy. And I'm like, oh, no, no, DJ, I would trust probably wouldn't put a thumbs up like that. The song ends <laughs> and I get a brief reprisal. Then they go, a little bit of mamba in my life. And I'm like, kill me. Someone kill me before he yeah. plays Die Bunny. I just want to die in peace. It's awful. It's so bad, isn't it? And then like, there's no way of not looking like a twat because you can't sort of say, no, I hate this music because then you're being mean and they're all having a great no, I'm time. I'm Scrooge. I'm bar yeah. humbug in the dance hall now. Yeah. It's the worst uh, song. It's the worst. And like I said, it's one of those songs that's not for people that listen to music. It's for people that hear music when it's played. Yeah, exactly. I'm a human. This is music. I know what to do now. It, it, with those sort of European songs, it feels like every sort of decade there's there's one for those people. You know, like in the 80s growing up, there was that one. Oh, is it the Lambada? Absolutely. You know that? The Brazilian one, yeah, the Forbidden Dance. Yeah. Like, that was one you'd sort of, in those sort of contexts, that in, like, adult parties, you'd hear that. Uh, oh, Mr. Blobby Run. Yeah. And that song about the crazy frog, I'm Blue. Mm. Basically, that all of these terrible songs that have real no meaning of significance. I mean, the scat man, but, you know, I'm not going to put him in that group. That's maybe yeah. more, he's more a product of his time. 
know. Yeah, I feel like there was slightly more integrity there. Like he, yeah. you know, he did like jazz and stuff before, but you know, he just ended up going down there. So I went, you know what? Like that's a good hook for a pop tune, and he went, I've got nothing else going on. In Scatman Sean's defence, it's the same marketing strategy that was done with Tiny Tempo when he did Pass Out, then he did Frisky. Mm. That they felt the songs followed a very similar pattern in the same way that like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is the same song as ABC. I feel like the Out Here Brothers had a good crack at these. Oh, sort that's of the there songs, you go. Didn't yeah, they? The, the, the old two hit wonder there as well. Mm. So yeah, Out Here Brothers, that's the one as well. Now I don't know about you, Dan. I like the Out Here Brothers, but my God, you want to be around a bunch of aunts? Yeah. See the petticoats yeah. and the halters and the spanks flying <laughs> when they're dancing to the Out Here Brothers. Yeah. Then they do the thing where you do the turn and they turn, you twirl them. Then they try and twirl you and they don't do the twirl properly. So now it's gone from a twirl to a cage match because no one knows how to dance. Yeah. And all I want to do is just be in the corner and be high and grumpy. But I can't do that because yeah. the family's there. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. I think as well, let's catch up on an island. There'd be those of those of you who would kind of go, oh, this reminds me of my holiday and blah, blah, blah. And, they'll, and it'll sort of excite them too much you know when you're trying to calm things down because you'll see the cruise ship going past and i'll be like shit glad i'm not on that cruise ship and then i'm like who opened the hummus ah oh, <laughs> they're gonna come over now andrew <laughs> yeah good point good point um now dane finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals which animal is it and why okay so i'm gonna say off the top mosquitoes hmm I still don't know what the point is of them other than punishing no. human beings. Yeah. Now, I know there's various types of mosquito, so I guess I'd say the particular one I'm referring to is refer- is the Anopheles mosquito mm-hmm. because this is the... Uh, the Anopheles mosquito is the vector for malaria. Right. Okay. So, yeah, malaria is carried by a parasite which is carried in the stomach of uh, female, female uh, Anopheles mosquitoes. The male mosquitoes only enjoy fruit juice. The women like blood. I feel like... Like I said, I'm on an island with Gemma Collins and pa- and Prince Andrew. There's going to be some humidity. And that's a perfect breeding ground for mosquitoes. And like I said, yeah. mosquitoes are such dicks. Their face has got a dick on the front of it. Yeah. That's how yeah. big of dicks they are. So that, would be, that was going to be one of my choices. But I want to give very strong honourable mention to unicorns. Mm, okay, this is interesting. Because unicorns are like the dick of, dick of like mammals. Yeah. Normally when someone's like, on like on their social media page they're like I'm this this is my pronouns I'm also a unicorn you're like don't apportion these human binary ideas of gender to horses and unicorns they don't have these discussions yeah you know I'm not sure if you've seen horses when it comes to their gender it's real clear which one they are because horse dicks are real big (laughs) so it's really hard to kind of be like and not that they don't have the right to do that if a horse considers itself to be non-binary or to be intersex Whatever your designation is, I will always respect that. There is no, there's no stipulation about that. If you say to me, I consider myself to be a woman and these are the profound pronouns in which I'd like to be referred to, absolutely. Whether you want to be considered a, you know, a man or a woman, trans man or a trans woman, or even if you are intersex or non-binary, gender fluid, I respect it. I'm just saying, it's going to be hard to ignore your big old horse stick between your legs. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, Dan. Yeah. Now, unicorns... My theory is this. Now, the myth behind unicorns is that they were left off the ark because they got there too late. What I think happened was, now, like I said, you've seen how unicorns are regarded in both the mammal and animal kingdom on a whole. They're given this kind of, because of Pegasus, they're given this kind of mythical status. 
Yeah. All the other unicorns who didn't put in that work, they're going to have an attitude and they're going to be supremacists. So you imagine it's the day before we're going to get on the ark. All the animals are gathering around. What's it going to be like on the ark? I don't know. What do you think, Dodos? Shit, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> all right, buddy. So everyone's talking. Unicorns show up, cooked up off their faces because that's what unicorns do. Unicorn <laughs> dust, which we all know is cocaine, Dan. So yeah. they're like, what's up, y'all? What's up? Unicorns in the house. We're the best. You see the horn? That's the swilly dick right there. Anyone else got a horn like us? I do. You shut your fat ass up, Rhino, you stupid Rhino, with your stupid fat horn. You look disabled. Fuck you, unicorns. <laughs> Whatever. I've got horns too. Those aren't horns. Those are tusks, elephants, and you fat too. You can't even fly. Well, fuck you, unicorns. I don't remember this shit. Course you are, Nelly. Course you are. <laughs> and then they're like, and then it's you, the worst of all. Horses. You wish you were us. Don't you? I bet you wish you were like us. Horses are like, fuck you, I got a big dick. I got a bigger dick. This is big double dick horn energy. Horses, ow! Unicorns, unicorns. Swish of the rainbow tail. They walk back away from the campsite. The rest of the animals are like, you know what? Fuck these unicorns, man. I'm sick of this shit. I'm sick of this shit. You know what? Tomorrow, I ain't telling them anything. Cockerel, you keep your ass quiet. We leaving these unicorns. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I I can completely believe that's what's happened. Exactly. Some books yeah. didn't some books didn't make it to the Bible, Dan. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a great story. I wish it had made it in. It definitely would have made RE a bit more interesting. But I mean I I can't fault your logic there. That's it. And I'm saying what well, I don't want like I said, I'm trying to create, you know, a state of unity and harmony no. on this island. I don't need these motherfuckers trotting around being like unicorns, unicorns. Yeah. You know they're like. I think that's great. I'm going to say that, um, I mean, because you sort of mentioned mosquitoes as well, I'm going to put them both on the island. But, like, you know how some animals have that little helper animal? Like, you know, there'll be like a water buffalo has a little. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's what they'll they be doing as bird. well. But you know mm. what they'll be doing? It'd be like, oh, I'm a unicorn. We had a night out on the lash, fucked a couple of mermaids. Now I've got unicorn herpes. Can you drink it clean, mosquito? I'm like, what the fuck is happening on my island, please? <laughs> Then Gemma's like, I think I've got it too. Have a sniff, Dane. Nah, do you know what? Yeah, just kill me. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what a world you've created, Dane. I mean, it's... Oh, I can't even think of the word. I mean, it's, it's horrendous, basically. But I mean, you've... you've... There's an island dystopia, you know? Yeah. But I'm prepared to be the martyr for this. I'm removing all of these negative aspects of our existence from the island. I can work on them over here. I can handle it. You know, now the world hopefully returns to normal. I feel like I've been on a journey because I've laughed a lot, but I also feel kind of harrowed from it all. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, you've you've really painted a picture for us today. And I thank you very much for coming on. It's been my pleasure to be able to let people know about my nightmare and raise awareness (laughs) that there are people out there who have had to sit through Twilight against their will. And they need to be able to have a platform to speak on it. (laughs) Cheers. My opinions are very unpopular, Dan. I really appreciate the platform. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, pro-unicorn backlash, but... You know, I'm an artist. I have to say what's in my heart. Well, you know, it's an open forum and we've just got to let you have your, your space. So uh, it's a safe one and uh, we'll take the we'll take the backlash. So don't, don't you worry. Um, now, Dane, where can people see or hear more from you at the minute? Obviously, things are all still a bit up in the air. Yeah, uh, um, so I'm still around. I'm uploading uh, content so people can catch comedy clips on my uh, Instagram. I have a series of uh, best of clips, uh, which is called 28 Danes Later, uh, to help us out through the lockdown. Um, I'm also have my own YouTube channel. And uh, other than that, yeah, and also you can catch me on Sunny D, uh, which is on the BBC iPlayer. Lovely, brilliant. Well, Dane, thank you again for joining us on Desert Island X. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Mm-hmm.